Hello and welcome to the Tom's Hardware Show. I'm your host Sharon Harding and today we're checking out the GeForce RTX 3060. So we are live as always, and we are taking your questions. If you have anything you wanna ask, just drop your question into the chat on YouTube or Facebook, and we'll try to discuss it live on air. So joining me today, we have Tom's Hardware Managing Editor, Matt Safford. How are you, Matt? I am all right, and probably less tired than Jared is. Yeah. Hey, I got some sleep last night. I went <laughs> to bed at midnight. That's pretty good. I, I did wake up at five. Like I didn't, I set my alarm for five 30 and I woke up at five because probably my brain was like, Oh my gosh, is it ready? <laughs> oh, there it is. Yeah. So, um, everyone, our senior graphics editor, Jared has been very busy testing the RTX 3060 that debuted today. Um, he seems to have some energy with him. So that's, that's good news for us. Um, but before we get into your results, Jared, just to get this out of the way, can anyone actually buy an RTX 3060 right now? I tried. I don't know <laughs> if any of you guys did, but like NVIDIA, the, the NDA embargo was 6 a.m. Pacific. I'm West Coast, so I think in Pacific time still. Um, and the cards went for went on sale technically at 9 a.m. And so I hit Best Buy and Newegg and went through NVIDIA's links uh, to various sites, including Amazon and Newegg and Best Buy. And I can't remember what else. EVGA was there. I tried all of those. EVGA site died. It just wasn't loading. Newegg, um, they... I never saw them show up. And then I got a thing saying, hey, join the shuffle, the raffle, where you can maybe get one. Uh, Amazon, the only thing I saw there was sold out. And the uh, Best Buy links, as far as I saw, they never went from coming soon to available. So all the scalpers got them again, probably. <laughs> yeah, we're seeing some comments already, seeing viewers who have struggled and seeing the card available, but for double of expected MSRP and not obviously not being able to or even wanting to spend that much. Um, so any thoughts on how long are we expecting this to continue? Because this graphic shortage has been going on since last year or late last year. I mean, you know, last year I thought it would have eased by now, but the problem is cryptocurrency mining took off in a big way during December, January, even into the present time. So when you have Ethereum at $1,650 or whatever, and you've got Bitcoin at 50,000, give or take, like people are going to mine. It's profitable and they're going to do it. And the net result is I like NVIDIA just yesterday announced that in Q4. So last year, um, October, November, December, they sold an estimated 100 to 300 million graphics cards to miners. Um, and I mean, uh, like, I don't have their data, but I got to think that estimated is actually low. Like, they're going to try and downplay that as much as possible. So realistically, they probably sold at least 300, uh, $300 million to miners and very likely more. And certainly coming into Q1 this year, um, things just went crazy in January with cryptocurrency. They're still crazy. And so like, I don't, I don't think it's out of the question that they could be, you know, a billion dollars in mining revenue for this quarter. Um, maybe even 2 billion. I mean, like 
honestly, if if you can sell graphics cards to a miner for twice what you would normally sell them for as a as a company, why wouldn't you? And it's like, yes, it hurts your gaming cred and it, it might have long-term ramifications, but when you own 80% of the graphics card market, maybe more, um, like, what are you going to do? Hey, everyone, go buy an AMD card. Guess what? They're also sold out. <laughs> well, that's kind of something you noted in the review too, right? Is that it's a multi-tiered problem because if these, you know, Ethereum crashed tomorrow, there still probably isn't enough silicon to go around for all that you know i mean like the the people wanting to buy graphics cards and play pc games right now is higher than maybe it's ever been and so even if the biggest problem goes away there's probably still a production problem just in terms of like how many people want these for gaming that you know there probably isn't enough so what do you guys yeah. think sir what do you guys think are like the long-term implications of this because and I'm kind of focusing on NVIDIA because that's, um, you know, what Jared has just reviewed. But like you just said, Jared, this is an AMD uh, GPU issue as well. So the 3060 Ti came out in December. It's now almost March. And at some point, the next gen RTX or whatever cards will have to arrive as well, right? So how do GPU vendors back bounce back from this? Because, you know, building your own high-end computer is pretty hard right now. Yeah, I... I mean, it is, it's a supply demand problem. It's, it's not just supply of graphics cards. It's supply of all the components, all the, you know, the substrate, the substrate stuff, the wire bonding is at a, you know, there's not enough wire bonding uh, machines and such to go around. All of that is causing delays and problems. And so, you know, as the pandemic <clears throat> eases and hopefully, you know, the vaccines get out there, that should help boost production in various parts of the world unless a mutant variation of COVID takes off and then we're back to square one. I mean, you know, it, it's almost impossible to predict what will actually happen. It's kind of like trying to predict Bitcoin or Ethereum prices. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, long-term it will stabilize somewhere, you know, and how long will that take? We've heard from, I think NVIDIA said this, maybe it was AMD, maybe it was both, that they expect shortages to continue throughout 2021. Like we are in the second month of 2021 and they're already saying, yeah, our forecast for the next 10 months is that it's not going to be solved before then. So that's not good news. Um, and like RTX 40 series, if you can sell every RTX 30 series you can make, they don't really have a reason to rush out 40 series is kind of the sad thing. You know, it's, it's the same on CPU size. If you're selling everything you make and then some at higher prices than you initially planned, there's no rush to release the next gen. You just kind of rake in the profits and you prep for the next gen and wait for things to reach the point where it makes sense to launch. What's your take, Matt? That, that's kind of a bummer to think that we might not see the next next gen cards. Although, how big of a bummer is it if I can't even get <laughs> the 30 series, et cetera, now? No, I mean, I think history tells us that the other thing that we'll be dealing with after this is, uh, you know, uh, a flood of used mining cards hitting the market <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the uh, sort of um, hangover from that nvidia and amd will have to deal with in like you know if it crashes quickly then you know they set themselves up for 
this amount of growth and profit based on all these things. And then all of a sudden, you know, like a large chunk of their revenue just disappears. That also disrupts these companies. So yeah, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> but uh, I don't think um, any of the outcomes in the short term are likely good. <laughs> Let's put it <laughs> that, that is way. a fair assessment. <laughs> Well, and I, I think they're going to be kind of extra cautious this time because in 2017, 2018, they had this crypto mining surge, cryptocurrency surge, and all the graphics cards were sold out for six months or, or thereabouts. And everyone kept on saying, well, why don't they just make more? Why don't they just make more? And somewhere along the line, AMD actually said, okay, RX 570, RX 580 are in super high demand. We've sold everything we can make. Let's order more. And of course, it takes four to six months before that more materializes as end user graphics cards. And by the time they actually got the cards, the crash had happened. And so we ended up with $120 570 cards. And that lasted until last year when the crypto mining surge came again and they finally sold all of those um, 570 cards that had been sitting around for a year and a half, two years, whatever it was. I mean, so I I think they're very concerned about flooding the market for both, both the mining sides and the non-mining side. So it's better to not have enough and sell them all at high prices than to make more and suddenly end up with a glut. So if you have any questions on this topic, definitely drop them in and we'll try to get to it. We have some viewer questions already that we can look at. Um, Timothy James says, can you sell me an RTX 3060? Any brand will do. You I know, think the, Jared the literally can't. Is, <laughs> yeah, I can't because that's I need it for my job. But the, the interesting <laughs> thing is I can say this. Um, I got more 3080 cards and 3090 cards at launch than I did 3060. Like, it's kind of weird. No one sent a 3060. Um, NVIDIA shipped me an EVGA model. You know, it's like, well, ASUS has cards and MSI and Gigabyte and Zotac and all the usual suspects are making cards. How many are there out there? I mean, like looking on eBay is also interesting. I've, I've got an article up on the site that talks about eBay pricing. We've just updated it with the last week's data. And if you look at the number of units sold, uh, the most popular, the most available card right now appears to be the 3070. In fact, the 3060 Ti is selling at the same median price on eBay as the 3070 because they both have the same mining performance. They're both selling at $1,200. Uh, that's a little depressing for a $400 or $500 card. But uh, the 3070 has sold in the last week like 2,400 units or some such, and the 3060 Ti was like uh, 900 units. So it was almost three times as much for the 3070. So you have to wonder, it's like, well, how many 3060 chips are there to go around? Because NVIDIA is using them for laptops as well as desktops. And so potentially, you know, they they make more money off the laptop sale, I would assume. And they might just be be putting more of them into laptops. Or, I mean, who's who's to say they're not just selling straight to miners? If, if a miner shows up with a, a billion dollars, like Tesla owner Elon Musk and goes, hey, I want to build my own mining farm and I'll pay you <laughs> twice what you're normally selling them for. How do you say no to that as a company? Like, I think if Elon Musk is, I think if Elon is doing it, it'll be on Mars, right? Like he'll start sending <laughs> GPUs to Mars now. And... Mining in space. 
Um, so Vincent Carvajal um, asked if we have any advice on getting an affordable graphics card. He said he's been waiting patiently for months. A lot of us don't have the cash to pay these outrageous inflated prices scalpers are charging. So where? what's your advice, Jared? eBay has a queue, supposedly. I don't know how well that works. I actually signed up for it because I'm I, mostly I signed up not that I need to buy the card. I don't have any EVGA models besides the 3060, but um, I just want to see how long it takes before I get the email saying, hey, your numbers come up. Do you want to buy this card? Um, so it's been a few weeks already. Uh, clearly, all the 3070s, 3060 Ti's, 3080s, 3090s, they're still in demand, but you know, at some point you figure they've got to get through the queue and, and the people who got on six months ago are probably at the front of the line now. So that's one option. Otherwise, like uh, people are saying, if you've got a micro center nearby, or maybe if you just want to drive to another state's micro center, that might be an easier way to do it. Uh, that's that's not an affordable way to do it either, I don't think. Um, so you, you can try I mean, brick and mortar stores, but I, I doubt they're getting many more than online. And uh, the new egg shuffle, right? Yeah, new egg shuffle. I signed up for that too. We'll see if I, I, I got the note last time saying we're sorry you didn't get into the special crowd, so you can't buy one. <laughs> Here's some other products that are totally unrelated to graphics cards that you could buy. <laughs> and then you're tracking, you're tracking eBay pricing now, yeah. right? eBay yes. sold listings. So these are these are things that people have actually bought, and I try to filter out. Uh, images and pictures that are put up like there's there's this kind of anti-scalper thing where they're like hey i'm going to put up a listing that says read description don't buy and it will just be a picture of a graphics card and i mean like <laughs> i figure ebay's got to ban those accounts for doing shady stuff like that but uh, i mean i don't know what your your scalper bots buying stuff off ebay to then resell them that that seems kind of counterproductive but oh well um yeah, so anyway, tracking eBay pricing and you can see, you know, there's there's an upward trend on nearly every graphics card for the past week. And if you go for the past month, it's definitely upward on every card. Um, the 3080 has gone down just a little bit in the past week uh, from a high of like $2,100 down to like $2,000. So <laughs> a bargain, a steal. Yeah, a, a steal at that price. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that um, that tracking article just actually went on our homepage now. So uh, check out tomshardware.com if you want to look at that. Um, Javier Perea says we should go back to Super Nintendo and so on. Not a question, but yeah, a good point. It's a statement of fact. No, <laughs> uh, you know, and it's it's something to be said. Like if you don't have any graphics card right now, like mm -hmm. look on Craigslist, look on you know, Facebook marketplace, look on local stores, like just find anything cheap. If you've got a nerdy friend, maybe they've got an old GPU that they're willing to sell you. Um, and you might be able to get them to do it for like less than the original cost. If, if they're a good friend, I mean, it's, it's a possibility that I would not neglect, but otherwise I'm like, if you've already got, I mean, a GTX 1050 is kind of slow but it can play pretty much any game out there. Well, at least the 1050 Ti. The 1050 with two gigabytes, a bit of a concern, but uh, I would just buckle up and just try and live with what you've got. And if that means giving a pass on all the latest games that launch and need an RTX or a, or a big Navi card, 
so be it. Like at some point, you'll be able to play those games. But there's there's lots of cool games out there that that are you know able to run on even integrated graphics. So just uh, go buy a new console. Oh wait, that's a problem yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't do that either. <laughs> Pull out your old Nintendo Wii and play some Mario Kart. So um, let's get into some of the numbers and the benchmarking you did, Jared. Um, Nikhil S. Joseph is curious about mining performance, which is interesting because last week we covered NVIDIA limiting the mining capability of the 3060, but you did some mining testing on it anyway, right? Yeah, so I'm going to try and share this. Let's see if this goes. Uh, share screen. Um, here we go. Tell me how this looks. Uh, yeah, does that look all right? So that's the mining benchmarks using NiceHash Miner for the EVGA card, and that's after some tuning and tweaking to overclock the memory a bit and uh, and tweak the power levels. So I think it was using around 120 watts most of the time, and you can see the Ethereum performance on that's Dagger Hashimoto algorithm. So. Um, a couple of the, the minor softwares just failed that benchmark, but uh, the Excavator, NB Miner, Phoenix, and T-Rex are all sitting at 24 to 25 megahash per second. And based on what um, what I've seen with other NVIDIA cards, and like it would, the mining would start a little higher and then drop after just like five seconds or whatever. So without NVIDIA's hack or fix or firmware or whatever you want to call it, all of those Ethereum algorithms would have been about twice that level of performance, which means they would have been doing like seven, $8 a day, potentially instead of $4 a day. So, you know, it, it definitely makes it less attractive to miners, but then you come down and if you look at Octopus, again, this is paid through NiceHash, but you can see the T-Rex algorithm still did 41.3, which pays, 8,485 Satoshis, if you like uh, cryptocurrency terms. So it's it's like 50% uh, more than Ethereum mining. So you still get like $5 a day or whatever, $6 a day. So mining is still possible. It's just not as profitable as it could have been if they hadn't limited things via the firmware. So, I mean, plus, is that... Yeah. I, would, I was just going to say, plus you know that everybody's going to be trying to find workarounds for that, right? I think probably a lot of people are just going to assume that, like, there's going to be a workaround and let me get the card now. And Yeah, I mean, NVIDIA hasn't said what they've done to limit the Ethereum mining performance. Presumably, like, there's certain math calculations that you would have to do for the algorithm, and maybe those are consistent enough that they can try and detect those, but it's like, well, what if you can shift the order of those calculations a little bit and it's, instead of doing like A plus B plus C, you do A plus C plus B or, you know, whatever it is, right? Like if you rearrange the order of the of the calculations and still get the same answer, you might be able to get around their limitations. And NVIDIA could update their drivers to block the future iterations, but the reality is now we've got a release driver and the miners can always roll back to this driver. So any future driver is basically like if it if it limits future mining hacks or workarounds, that doesn't fix the problem because the miners can just roll back. So um, that's that's kind of where we sit. I suspect someone's going to figure out a workaround. The fact that the the T Rex Octopus algorithm 
is pretty much right where you would expect it to be without the limit in place suggests that other mining algorithms will be able to to do something for Ethereum. Time will uh, tell. Yeah, and just a quick note for anyone who had trouble um, seeing that um, image we just pulled up, specifically Shauna and Jeffrey. Um, if you head to our RTX 3060 review, you can uh, take another look at that that image. Um, yeah, the full size image is there. Don't look on it on your phone. Just like pull it up on a PC. You can click the icon in the corner to get the the original image, and it should be legible if you do that. So. Yes. Um. So, Jared, one question I have for you after all your testing is: Do you have a headache? As in, how loud <laughs> is this card? It's you know it's it's relatively loud compared to all of these triple fan you know like let me gosh give me one sec let me grab a different card as a point of reference. Um, oh, Jeffrey uh, says okay this this is an AMD card just just to show you but this is uh hold on I got to turn off my Nvidia broadcast. Do 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 do. Oh, we talked about this, Jared. <laughs> I know I, I turned it back on because I like I like the look. Okay, so this this is um, the AMD Radeon 6800 XT or yeah, and that's the the EVGA card. And you can see like the two fans. It's smaller. It's shorter. It's it's about the same thickness, but but maybe a little thinner. Um, sorry, I I have these backwards. It's, it's my hands. Um, and the reality is, you know, it's a thinner, lighter card. I I also got the, in the review, I mentioned the dimensions and I talk about the the cooler. You know, if, if you look at this cooler, it's, it's relatively lightweight and it's thin and it doesn't weigh a lot. And all of that means it needs more airflow to provide the same level of cooling. And so that happens by spinning the fans faster. And in gaming, the fans just benchmarking at stock Metro Exodus, the fans were averaging about 72% fan speed, which you might think that's, oh, well, that's not 100%, right? But but the like your RTX 3080, your RTX 3070, um, those cards and, and AMD's cards, most of those are running at like 40% fan speed. So they're running a lot faster. Um, you can also see like, it's hard to show, but these have a, an integrated rim around the outside of the fan. And a lot of the newest model cards do that. That actually increases the static pressure and the airflow into the fan heat sink, or through the fan and into the heat sink. This EVGA, it doesn't have that outside rim. It's the older style. And it, it makes sense, because this is supposed to be a $329 card, so they have to cut corners. There's no RGB lighting. There's no fancy special, special stuff like that. It's a a single eight pin connector. So they have to limit things or they have to try and reduce cost however they can. And the net result is uh, they have to spin the fans faster. Overclocking, which I also did, took the fan speed up to like 80, 81%. And at that point, uh, you know, relatively close I, with my microphone, it was it was hitting 50 decibels compared to like 43 decibels on a, on a 3080. So, you know, it's definitely a louder card. You can certainly hear it. Um, I don't know that it really matters because I've got this monitor that has a fan in it and it's honestly probably the loudest fan in my office. So uh, just know though that it's not a quiet card. And if you want a quiet card, then again, like 
you know, look for one that has triple fans and a bigger cooler and costs $50 more. And if you start looking at that, you go, wait a second. Um, the 3060 Ti usually has all of those things. And guess what? The 3060 Ti is like 20, 25% faster. Um, if you could find a 3060 Ti for MSRP, right? Like it, it's $400 compared to $330. Um, the price difference means that the 3060 Ti is definitely the better buy. It's the better deal. Uh, at $1,200, like it, it's not. <laughs> but but I don't know what the going price is going to end up being for the 3060 either. Like we know some some places were charging as much as $630 today. Retail outlets saying this is a thirty a, a, a high end card and it costs twice the MSRP for the low end card. So. Yeah, it's 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 kind of the same thing that you see with almost every generation of graphics cards. They start at the high end and then they come down, they come down and you know, it's exciting to see good performance, better performance at the $330 price level, but this is really only like 20%, 25% faster than an RTX 2060 that came out 2 years ago. So, if you waited two whole years to upgrade your graphics card and you could actually buy them today, you would have improved your performance by 20%. Like that's, that's not a lot. Uh, it's, it's something, it's not nothing, but I, I, I don't think it's that huge of a change. And so the mid range and the mainstream and the budget cards always kind of feel a little boring after the high end halo cards, because you get relatively less um, for your dollar, especially when you factor in the cost of the rest of your PC. I just like the other thing that I was thinking about when I was reading a review is, you know, I know it's nothing new, but the steady creep of like what was like entry level and mainstream and high end, like just the idea, like I, I was thinking when, uh, you know, I think in like 2007, I bought uh, an ATI uh, HD 2600 XT, which was a mid range card at the time, it was $150. And it kind of like, you know, felt like I was spending a lot, right? And now, <laughs> yeah, now remember when card is three and a half times that much. <laughs> yeah. That's... Yeah. There's been a, there's been serious feet, uh, creep on the pricing. Like it used to be that budget was a hundred dollars for a graphics card. Mainstream was $200 and high end was 300 to $400. Um, like 400 was your extreme. And, and then there would be like the, the Uber extreme crazy stuff that no one would really buy that cost $500 or more. Well, NVIDIA has steadily pushed prices up and the market has been willing to pay it as far as we can tell. And so, you know, they they released the Titan cards as an example. First, they started at $1,000 and people paid it. And as from what I can tell, they actually sold way more than they were expecting. And so they increased the price and the next generation Titans were $1,200. And then they came out with the Titan V that was $3,000 and the Titan RTX that was $2,500 and people still bought them. And, you know, at some point they said, oh, look, we're going to throw you a bone and the 3090 is only going to be $1,500. You know, it's it's their, their mainstream Titan that's not quite a Titan because it doesn't have some of the extra Titan features in the drivers, but... Like we're we're definitely seeing price creep, um, and and AMD is not really doing a lot better, right? Like their their uh, Navi cards were reasonably priced, but 
only a little bit less than the NVIDIA competitors that they were a little bit faster than, but they don't have ray tracing, they don't have DLSS. So it was kind of like that balancing act, right? And now their big Navi cards, well, they're theoretically less expensive than NVIDIA's cards, but in practice, they're pretty much selling at the same extreme prices. And and again, looking at the eBay data, data um, I think in the last week there was like, I even have this, let me let me pull this up. So last week, total number of RDNA2 cards sold on eBay is 180. Total number of Ampere cards sold on eBay was 1,838. So like you could try and say like, hey, you know, maybe AMD cards are just less likely to be sold on eBay. I don't buy that. It pretty much tells you that NVIDIA is selling almost 10 to one ratio of graphics cards to AMD right now. So like zero to zero. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's not zero. It's not as many as we need. <laughs> um, so I I wanted to ask you, Jared, about the VRAM on this card. So it has um, 12 gigs. Yeah, it has 12 gigs of VRAM and the 3060 Ti has eight. Um, so of course there are other factors that come into play when it comes to performance, but I'm curious if there were any benefits that you saw in terms of having, um, more VRAM on this card compared to the 3060 Ti. Yeah. So you, you kind of have to look for them. Um, basically like I, I did all of my testing at ultra quality on 13 games and there wasn't a single game at a single resolution. I tested at 1440p, 1080p, and 4K. And out of, so 39 tests run multiple times on each GPU, there wasn't a single instance where the 3060 12 gigabyte was faster than a 3060 Ti 8 gigabyte. There was, there were a couple of cases where it was closer, right? But that that was as, as, as much as you got. And, and, could there be a hypothetical scenario where you get a game that uses enough VRAM that it actually makes the 12 gigabyte card faster? Yeah, potentially, but usually that happens at settings that are now dropping below 30 frames per second, and so it's not super beneficial. So, I mean, it's like, look, if if you hit up hit the point where your card or your game needs more than eight gigabytes of VRAM, maybe you ought to just turn your texture settings down one notch or tweak your settings a little bit because most of the time that doesn't create a huge difference in visual quality and you'll reduce the VRAM bottleneck. Um, but uh, of the 13 games, I will say um, Watch Dogs Legion tested with ray tracing without DLSS, um, that showed some benefits to having more than eight gigabit RAM and Horizon Zero Dawn also showed some benefit to having more than eight gigabytes of RAM. Uh, so there, there are instances where it's closer, but you have to keep in mind the 3060 Ti has 38 shader multi, uh, streaming multiprocessors, SMs, which you would multiply by 128 to get the number of CUDA cores. But uh, anyway, the point is 38 and the 3060 has 28. So it has 35% more processing power. Um, and that's that's a big jump. And so really, even though the, the VRAM might make a 5 to 10% or even a 20% difference, it's not going to overcome a 35% deficit. 
So that's kind of what I saw. And it's it's this interesting thing, like why did NVIDIA do 12 gigabytes? Um, the 3060 laptop is a six gigabyte card right now, which is kind of weird. So I, I think they're gonna do a six gigabyte card. It will be like the 1060 where there was a three gigabyte and a six gigabyte, only this time it's doubled to six gigabyte and 12 gigabyte. Um, I think part of it was AMD kind of got them worried by AMD slapping 16 gigabytes into their RDNA 2 chips, Big Navi, and and it made NVIDIA look stingy and bad. And so, you know, maybe they they decided to throw us a bone and said, okay, we'll go up to 12 gigabytes. I I think if you've got an 8 gigabyte card, you're still fine. Like, you'll have to tweak your settings here and there, but, you know, you have to do that anyway if you don't have a 3080 or 3090 or Big Navi. But long-term, you know, eventually eight gigabytes doesn't become enough. But by then we're probably looking at RTX 50 series, meaning like I think eight gigabytes is going to be enough for at least the next three to four years, meaning medium to high quality at at uh, 1080p should still be fine. That's a lot of talking. I like to talk. Can you tell? I like when you talk, Jared. So, Matt, what do you think? Do you think... Um um, they're going to come out with a six gig uh, 3060 card. And do you think that would have appeal? I mean, at this point, they're selling whatever they make, right? So, um, you know, uh, like, I don't even know what appeal is now. Like, it, everything that comes out of the factory is gone before I can even think about it, right? Um, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised um, at all. You know, I, I mean, I think, you know, as Jared was saying, I, I mean, whatever decision they made, about like six or 12 was made before all the mining stuff happened. So, you know, I mean, I, I think given the amount that they're selling to miners right now, I, I mean, they're going to make those decisions, I think probably based more on that part of the market, um, you know, and knowing that that's where the vast majority of them are going to go. And I mean, for, gamers it's probably going to go more towards laptops and that it's already six so maybe I, I mean it's just a matter of whether it's at all cost effective for them because i don't think there's there's at least the way things are right now there's any need for them to yeah i don't know <laughs> it, it is interesting that so so i t i talked about it this in the review as well the memory on the 3060 is actually Samsung 16 gigabit per second GDDR6 memory, and it's on a 192-bit bus, so you get less memory bandwidth. But um, all of the other GDDR5, uh, sorry, GDDR6 cards that NVIDIA has shipped to date have used 14 gigabit per second memory, with the exception of the 2080 Super. But uh, you know, so they've the 3060 Ti, 3070 Ti, they're both 14 gigabit per second. And then all of a sudden, like I'm like, so wait, like you cut down the the amount of memory or the the bus width, but you increase the speed, but you didn't increase it as much as you could have. I mean, I I overclocked the memory to 17 gigabits per second, so there was tons of headroom. So it's like, there's just all these weird things that kind of happen. I'm like, I don't know why NVIDIA does this. It's it's like the uh, 1660 Ti when that launched two years ago, I think year and a half ago, whatever it was. It had 12 gigabit per second GDDR6, which like, I don't even know that it really was 12 gigabit. It was probably like 14 gigabit memory that they just downclocked because they didn't want it encroaching on the, the higher performance 2060 or something and they wanted to get that market separation but like there's all these weird things there's there's supposedly gdr gddr6 
shortages as well. There definitely are on the on the GDDR6X used in the 3080 and 3090. So, you know, you sit there and go, well, wouldn't it have made more sense for them to launch with a six gigabyte card? I still think it's coming, but I guess they, they decided, you know, hey, we'll, we'll give the higher VRAM amount and maybe look a little better. And then we'll say, hey, and if you want to save money on a card that you still can't buy, here's a six gigabyte card. Um, yeah, it's it's all up in the air. Like there's too many balls being juggled, juggled right now and they're all dropping. <laughs> So um, looking at your <clears throat> gaming benchmark results specifically, Jared, it looks like um, the RTX 3060's closest competitor, the one like right above it in terms of frame rates, is a 2070 Super. Um, pretty yeah. consistently, not not by a lot of frames, usually just like a handful. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and like the ad advantage a Super has of the 3060 and if is, is, was this what was expected? I mean, it was kind of expected based on their architecture. So, you know, Ampere and Turing are, they're different, but they're not like that different in some ways. Um, Turing is Turing is still a capable card. And so what you end up with is like, if you look at their their graphics core counts, um, so like you flip over to, to the 2070 Super as an example, comes with, um, I'm actually pulling this up. It's, it comes with 2560 CUDA cores. Um, and 40 uh, streaming multiprocessors. So you go, okay, well, it's got 40. The 3060 has 28 streaming multiprocessors, but they're better streaming multiprocessors. And I, I think the, the kind of fuzzy math is that if you multiply the SM count on an, on an Ampere GPU by about 1.6, maybe six, that's kind of where it lands in your um, Turing generation. So you had more SMs on Turing, um, but less cores, and and there's this balancing act because the the Turing architecture you had um, you had concurrent floating point and integer execution. So you had two separate data paths. One was able to do FP32 calculations, one could do INT32 calculations, and they could both run simultaneously on every clock cycle. Ampere still has that, but it actually goes like this. This pipeline is FP32, this one is FP32 or INT32. So, so they added FP32 capability to the second pipeline, but about two thirds of this pipeline ends up doing INT calculations anyway. And so you don't get that full GPU core speed up, but if you do mining, it actually gives you the full speed up because they do all these uh, FP32 calculations, I guess. Um, and so, so like the the mining performance is directly benefited by the Ampere architecture. Um, interesting kind of side note. Whereas gaming doesn't quite benefit as much from all of those FP32 cores. So, you know, when you say 40 SMs versus 28 SMs, but they're better SMs. And so you, you kind of hash it all out and it's like, well, it's faster than a 2060 Super, which has 34 SMs, um, but it's slower than a 2070 Super, which has 40 SMs. So it's kind of like, well, I guess the 28 SMs performs like a 37 SM Turing card is, is what it amounts to. And the memory, the memory stuff kind of affects things a little bit, but it doesn't make like a, a huge difference in terms of overall performance. I, I think there's perhaps better lossless Delta 
color compression technology in Ampere. NVIDIA didn't really talk a whole lot about the the uh, major changes to stuff like that on Ampere, but we, we assume usually there's underlying improvements in the architecture that they don't really dive into. So, so there you have it. Like Ampere is Turing improved and reworked, but it's still not like this radically new thing that you can't possibly match with, with Turing because we know that the 3070 performs about like a 2080 Ti. And so that's kind of what we got with the 3060. It performs about like a, actually it performs like a 2070, right? So it lands right between the, you've got the 2060 super, 2070 super, and a year before those was the 2070. And that is like right where the 3060 lands. Am I the only one who wants all the 30 series cards to be better than all the 20 series cards? Is that just too naive? Yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't that be nice if your 3060 were better than the, the 2080 Ti? Um, <clears throat> I think it would be simpler from a shopping perspective. What what I've always looked at in the past, and again, it's it's fuzzy math here, but it's like each generation from NVIDIA is like the previous generation plus 10. So your 2070 was kind of like a 1080 and your 3060 is kind of like a 2070 is kind of like a 1080 in terms of performance. And so it's like your your 3080 would have been like a, a 2090, which didn't exist except kind of as a Titan RTX. Um, and, and it wasn't even like it's faster than the Titan RTX. So at the top, you get a new level of performance, but everything else just drops down 10 points by model number, and then you change the front digit. So it looks like we have time for some questions from the audience. Um, I, there, are, So there are a couple of comments. They definitely seem like they're jokes, but I want to bring them up <laughs> and see what you guys think. So Ruru2M said earlier, don't worry, Intel XE will say PC gaming. And Chris Puncher Carilla said he's going to wait for the Intel cards. And if you're listening to this, they're laughing emojis rolling all over the place. Um, so what do you guys, what are your guys' opinion on the entry of XE, Intel's um, graphics, gaming graphics card when it enters this whole crazy market right now? You know, we've got XE laptops and they're the, they're the integrated XE LP, LP standing for low Hour, but I think it also stands for low performance. <laughs> um, those have 96 execution units, which uh, I want to say you multiply that by eight to get the equivalent in GPU cores to NVIDIA. So 96 times eight is, is it 584, 700 and something? I can't remember. I'm bad at math in my head right now. Uh, 96 times eight, it's 768. That's right. Uh, See, I am a little sleepy, I guess. Uh, so, so you know, the XELP is like at best a 768 core NVIDIA processor, which, gosh, what is that? That would be like a GTX 1050 maybe. Um, oh. 1050 Ti, yeah, that's, that's like right down in that range. And you go, well, how far are they going to scale that up? And that's that's the big question, and that's the the sort of um, it's it's not really unknown. We're pretty sure that they're going to put 512 execution units in their big chip, but they might actually be able to do two big chips together and get up to 1,024 execution units. Uh, and then you throw in like dedicated GDDR6 memory or HBM2 memory or whatever they use. 
it could be competitive, but they have to get their drivers right too. And uh, I know I tested XE graphics. I, I actually got sidetracked with all the graphics card launches, so I haven't written this up. But there were multiple games that I tested that are new releases that won't run on XE graphics right now. I don't know if that has um, been fixed in a driver update, but you know, I, everyone loves to hate on Cyberpunk 2077, but uh, it was the biggest game launched last year in terms of anticipation, and it didn't run, run at all on XE graphics. That's a problem. Like if your dedicated graphics card can't even try to run the latest game because of a driver bug, you're not going to do well. So not only does Intel need to get enough performance at a low enough price to be competitive, but they also need to make sure their drivers are fully functional. What do you think, Matt? You've been covering all of these companies for a long time. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Intel has a history of trying with graphics before and it's it's not a good history so um i mean I, like from the beginning with this i've been skeptical but at the same time you know i think the most on some levels the most important question is like how is xe going to handle mining because <laughs> if it turns out that it mines well they'll sell a lot of them yeah as long it's, as it's the, interesting the, uh, question right crash yeah i was actually you were got, weren't you on with an Intel person like a few weeks ago, Sharon? And there was yeah. someone threw out a question. They're like, "How's its mining performance?" <laughs> I was like, "Oh, yep." I Miners mean, I guess they have the opportunity to lean into it if they dare. I don't think they'll dare because that's a controversial topic. But they have that opportunity to plan around it. Whereas for you know, they kind of just drop yeah. into the Nvidia AMD's laps. I mean, it's it's interesting because Intel has been kind of more compute focused on their previous attempts. Okay, so so history lesson: um, XE graphics is technically Gen twelve graphics from Intel. What's Gen one? Is it a quiz? It's a quiz, Matt. Matt, what's Gen one? I I don't remember off the top of my head what it was I called. I don't remember the exact product name. Yeah. But I know Gen 1 is what they put in their i740 way back in the 90s. That was their first gen graphics architecture. It was their first attempt at a dedicated graphics card. And it kind of fizzled and died. And they never tried again until they kind of did with this project called Larrabee. And Larrabee ended up, like, it was really interesting. And I've heard people at from Intel, kind of internal people that have left the company now say, you know, Larrabee was actually killed because of politics, because Intel is a CPU company and we don't do games and graphics, damn it. And so they they killed it. Um, like they didn't literally kill it, but they they handicapped it and, and changed things. They didn't give it the resources it needed to thrive. And so it kind of morphed into Xeon Phi, which has been this compute um, card for a while now. They've had different generations of Xeon Five, And Xeon Phi was in a bunch of the supercomputers for you know the past five years doing pretty well. So Intel knows how to do compute. They can do some cool things there. And their GPU solution kind of is, let's put more compute with graphics functions into some of these cards and see where that goes. I, I'm curious to see, like it might actually be a pretty impressive compute card, which, you know, if, if nothing else, like Intel might not be able to beat NVIDIA or AMD on graphics, but they could beat them on compute and sell to miners. Do, or we, have a release date? Do we have a release date for that? 
supposed to be this year. I, you know, like last year, I thought it might have come out in 2020, but then the COVID thing happened. And, and so we got XELP as a, as a uh, solution that was integrated, but we didn't get standalone XELP cards. Those now kind of exist, but they're only in OEM systems and there's various limitations. There's like a, a BIOS and firmware um, link that has to be present for an XELP DG1 card to work in a system. So they're only in Dell and whatever computers. Um, I, I kind of was expecting, again, this is last year, I would have thought first half of 2021 would be XEHPG, their high performance gaming solution. Um, Raja Kuderi, their, uh, their head of their graphics division who used to be with AMD's Radeon software group. Uh, he posted a tweet I want to say a month or two back sometime in the last month or two. And it said something to the effect of making a high performance graphics card is really hard. <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah, you, you know that you've done it a few times, but like reading between the lines, I'm like, that kind of sounds like XEHPG might have just been delayed another six months. So I I'm hoping like, it needs to come out in 2021 to, to be relevant. Otherwise, it'll be too slow and too late to the party. And Intel doesn't want to sell these things for, you know, little tiny amounts of profits. So what are they going to do? Well, they'll try and make them into data center solutions and sell them to server people is my my assumption. But we'll see. I Like, again, this is Intel knows gaming drives money, but they still haven't ever attacked the gaming market in the graphics segment. And Raja Kuderi is, it feels like he's trying to get them to do that. But at the same time, Raja has also been a data center compute guy too. So it's, it's kind of this nebulous thing. Can you get Intel to actually take graphics and gaming seriously? Or will they just see the dollar signs from enterprise and data center and go after that? And I, I suspect it's more, the money thing that Intel wants. <laughs> <laughs> what makes you think that? Just a just like a hunch. There's a small hunch. Um, so Kevin Deegan is looking for advice on the best GPU for 4K video editing. Video editing. Um, they're building a computer on an AMD 3970X CPU and a Zeus Zenith Extreme Alpha motherboard. So Jared, what do you think? What's the best GPU for video editing? I mean, best, most powerful, fastest, it's going to be the RTX 3090. Uh, like that's, I did some video benchmarks doing like Adobe stuff and, and uh, what's it called? DaVinci Resolve and, um, and some other high-end stuff. And the 3090 was up to 30% faster than a 3080. And they were generally better supported than AMD's solutions. So it's it's partly because it has 24 gigabytes of memory, partly because, you know, it's just got all that memory bandwidth as well. And partly because NVIDIA does more on their drivers than AMD, I think, to, to work with companies like Adobe. I guess it kind of depends on what, graphics package you're using. There are instances where the 6900 XT would be faster. Um, like if you run spec viewperf, I know there are cases where where the 6900 XT, even the 6800 XT beat the 3090. And that's because NVIDIA's limited the 3090 with their drivers to not be as fast as their Quadro carts. So that would be kind of, I guess, 
I guess if you're if you're a serious video professional, you could make the case for buying a Quadro card um, from NVIDIA, which, you know, they cost pretty much $6,000 for the high-end models. So that's that's my question is like, when you say a 3970 though, a 3970X, like that's a $1,500 CPU nominally. Um, and so I kind of assume like, you're ready to go high-end ultra ultra extreme stuff and get the best that you can. And we're close to the end of our time, but I think we have a, a time for one more question because it looks like an easy one um, from a ninja near you. It's kind of scary. Um, is Apple's new chip line <laughs> is Apple's new chip line in any way a competition for Nvidia for gaming performance? I think we can answer that easily. I think it's no, no. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> not yet. Uh, like I, I mean, like it's not. not yet. That's a good answer. Yeah. But uh, like the the kind of the word on the street is Intel lost a lot of engineering talent to Apple over the past five years. They're both pretty close together, and when you look at Apple's chips over the past five years, you know they've gone from their Twister cores and Cyclone cores and whatever the the latest models are. But like the A14 silicon and the M1 silicon. They're good chips. They're not faster than a 16-core desktop processor, but they're very power efficient. And you know, it's it's the same thing that Intel and AMD have been doing for and NVIDIA have been doing for generations. You iterate every generation, you get a little bit better, a little bit faster. If you can keep power down and add performance, you know, that's that's the goal. And Apple's been very good at that on their smartphones for the past. 12 years and they make a ton of money off of those smartphones. I mean, like you think about it, what's an iPhone 11 cost or is that the latest iPhone 12, I guess. Right. (laughs) So like the, the high end models are $1,200 and people buy those every two years. And I have family members where I'm like, Hey, you know, maybe it's time to upgrade your laptop. That's six (laughs) years old and cost $500 back in the day. And they're like, Oh, but that's so expensive. I'm like, and they're sitting there taking a call. I've got an iPhone 8 from work, but they're taking their call on an iPhone 11 or an iPhone 12. I'm like, you've got an $800 or $900 phone in your hand and you won't upgrade your laptop. Like, give me a break. Apple makes a lot of money and a lot of money means a lot of R&D means their chips are going to keep getting better and they've got a lot of followers. So I don't think their M1 is, is going to come anywhere near you know, pushing AMD and NVIDIA and, and Intel out of the market. But, you know, give it like M3, M4, like that's the biggest threat Intel is likely to see and AMD is likely to see for CPU dominance. I mean, just look at like where AMD's come from, you know, the first Ryzen, right? And like that was a huge step in its in its own right and, and very impressive, but it had issues and and like it's gotten kind of amazingly better in in a few generations so yeah i mean if they like jared said they have the resources um they have the talent if they can execute it's definitely uh a threat we'll see well thank you to everyone who sent in questions you've been a lively bunch this week and i love it um, if you haven't already, definitely go to tomshardware.com and check out Jared's review of the RTX 3060. Lots of info, lots of benchmarks, and we also have coverage on stock and things like that on the site as well. 
Um, and if you've had fun, you could like this video on YouTube or Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, like us on Facebook, or download the show as a podcast. Um, so thanks for everyone to, who stopped by. Matt and Jared, thanks for sharing your insight with everyone. And that's our show. We'll see you next Thursday. Cheers.